Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. It's time for Barbecue Nation with JT. So fire up your grill, light the charcoal, and get your smoker cooking. Now, from the Turn It, Don't Burn It studios in Portland, here's JT. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the nation. That's Barbecue Nation. I'm JT along with Camaro Dave and Commander Chris. Coming to you from the most world-famous of all Turn It, Don't Burn It studios here in Portland, Oregon. Uh, we'd like to thank the folks over at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the Way Nature Intended. You can check out where to find Painted Hills Natural Beef in your area. Just go to PaintedHillsNaturalBeef.com and click on the uh, store locator. So, as you know, if you listen to the show, I've got a thing for veterans because of my dad, my uncles, and all that stuff. And... Um, I came across Dennis Butterworth the other day, and Dennis and I have never met before in that, but he's got an interesting barbecue site called War Pigs, and Dennis is a veteran. He's very big into barbecue down there in Houston, and we're going to talk to him right now. Welcome, Dennis, to the show. Hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate you having me. No problem. So I guess the um, the first thing we should probably get covered here for our listeners is were you an Ozzy Osbourne fan when you came up with this name, or did you just do it on your own? No, it's funny you say that. I get asked that a lot. Um, I actually didn't know about the song War Pigs when we picked the name War Pig Barbecue. Sure. Um, I we I was an Army tank driver um, back in Germany and um, you know got deployed to the Balkans, to Macedonia, Bosnia area. Um, and when I got out of the Army, we joined up with some high school friends that wanted to start doing barbecue on the weekends and competitions. And one of my best friends had just resigned his commission. He was a West Point helicopter pilot. So we picked the team name. I was a, um, you know, we kind of slang for tanks in the Army was War Pig. So that's how right. War Pig Barbecue became. Uh, and then someone told us about the song. And so that became our team song, obviously. We like to jam it out at every cook-off we go to. So I guess, what, I guess what name. would be really tricked at us if you guys came in on a Huey with yeah. War Pigs blasting, you know, kind of like Duvall in uh, Apocalypse, you know, and they, yeah. you can hear that. Um, you'd probably have a lot of people just go home, wouldn't want to compete with you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. Our, um, you know, our barbecue pit's pretty world famous. It's uh, it's the only remote control barbecue pit in the world. Um, and it's shaped like an M1 Abrams. So when we roll that out, it, it gets a lot of looks and a lot of people go, what, what are these guys up to? You know, <laughs> who, who are these guys and what are they doing? Yeah. Oh God! Did you build that yourself? Your your pit? So I had I had uh, I had the pit originally. It was an old Spice Line Ironworks uh, large pit, and it basically looks like a gun safe, right? It's a vertical sure. uh, insulated smoker. And we got picked for the Travel Channel to go on a show called The Grill of Victory, where they give you money to pimp out your pit. And so in Houston, we have these guys called Extensive Metalworks, and they are you know, just monsters of metal fabrication and, and geniuses when it comes to custom vehicles. So I went to them and said, Hey, can you pimp out my pit? I want to make it look like a tank and I want to make it remote control. And so it basically looked at me crazy and then drew it up on a um, napkin. And I said, that's exactly what I want. So they went to work on it. 
I went on YouTube and taught myself everything I thought I needed to know about radio control. And because uh, people were building remote control uh, lawnmowers with tracks. And so I learned how to do it based on that. And I got the parts list and went online and found all the parts I needed, put tracks on the tank and made it radio control. So, but extensive did all the metal fab and, and all the outstanding work. Oh, cool. Cool. Um, <clears throat> are they rubber tracks? They are. They come off a Honda snowblower. Oh, there you go. Which you can imagine finding those in Texas was a lot of fun, you know. Uh, so I, I had to go on eBay and find them somewhere up north and get them shipped down. Well, a couple of weeks ago, you guys were looking for snowblowers all over the place down there. Yeah, no kidding. It was, it was pretty wild. I hadn't seen that much snow since I lived in Germany. <laughs> well, I got to tell you a little inside baseball here. Dennis, my, my uh, sister, sister-in-law and brother-in-law live in the Houston area, too. And I can't tell you how many times a year they call us and when we're freezing ass cold up here in the Northwest or something, say, oh, man, it's 72 degrees here. I don't think they own long pants, you know, that, that type of thing. So you guys get hit with that ice and snowstorm and stuff. They're like, it's 18 degrees and we're all huddled in blankets and we're trying to stay warm and we got no power. And so me, Mr. Sympathetic, I said, get your ass off the couch and get moving or you'll freeze to death. So anyway. That's, that's right. <laughs> that's right. It, was, it was crazy. You know, we, we go through some crazy weather events down here with the hurricanes, tornadoes, and now the, the cold. And, you know, it was 75 the next Saturday. So, I mean, yeah. it was 18 on Monday and 75 on Saturday. And that's Texas weather in a nutshell. And two weeks from now, it'll be 106. So, yeah, for sure. <laughs> been I've been through all of that in Texas. So many <laughs> times as I've been crazy. there. What um, what really prompted you to get into barbecue, Dennis? So when um, I graduated college and um, my buddy was getting out of the army, you know, we all needed a reason to get together. You know, without you know the women around and, and shoot the bull and 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 drink some beer. And sure. One of my family members did competition barbecue and. So we decided we'll do that. We didn't know anything at all. And we definitely didn't know what we didn't know. Um, so we just jumped into it and figured out that uh, we'd give it a shot. And if we lose, we keep going until we figured out how to win. And this was pre-Facebook. You know, this was um, all these barbecue classes. They weren't around. This was 11 years ago when all I had was a couple of online forums to, to yeah. ask questions and try to figure out what I was doing. Well, and you didn't have Myron and... Uh... Malcolm and all those guys out there kicking out um, classes online or classes at their right. places, you know, that's, it's become yeah, a huge business. New. Myron, Myron was, was a great champion, but nobody, he didn't have the barbecue pit masters yet. And that was right around the corner. Right. Um, when he really, his fame really took off. Right. <clears throat> and um, Myron's been on the show a couple, three times, and he's always fun to talk to because you're never exactly sure what he's going to come up with. You know, <laughs> yeah, and we we have to do some extensive editing too when he's. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this show I goes. Keep reminding myself, yeah, yeah. yeah. This and show gets played across. Yeah, this show gets played across the country, and a lot of times on Sunday when people are coming home from church. So you get the picture. You know, yeah, it, it works out pretty good. Um, when you first went to your first competition, what did you guys do? Just take like a Weber kettle and a couple bags of briquettes. Oh no, down here, you know, we, we borrowed, uh, my brother-in-law's pit, which is like a 20 foot pipe offset on a trailer, you know, more than we ever needed. And, uh, we took, you know, about a half a pickup truck load of wood and a couple of pop-up tents and 
um, and some ice chests full of beer. And then we just tried to figure it out. I think we had maybe a charcoal grill to cook dinner on. Um, but it was just nothing but over smoked and, and, you know, barely cooked brisket and, you know, burnt ribs. I mean, everything was just terrible, but we thought we were the best. So and we couldn't figure out why we didn't win. <laughs> well, especially after about 17 beers, you know? Yeah, for sure. On the first day. Yeah. 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 That's just to get the grill going. You know, that's so. right. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot yeah. of I've been reading a lot of people. A lot of stories are very similar. They've gone to their first competition, and maybe they they have some skills cooking ribs in their backyard, and they're probably pretty good. But they're not doing you know pulled pork and chicken and big brisket or something like that. You know, and they get there and they have to do all this stuff, uh, and they're trying to do it, kind of do it simultaneously on one little grill they learn pretty quickly yeah time management and space management on those little weather smoky mountains it's uh or the drums you know that's all the rave right now so people learn pretty quick right um and it's the time constraints of you know yeah you can cook it all day at home and be you know the backyard champion but you know in a competition you only have a certain amount of time to get it done Right. And uh, that last 30 minutes when you're begging that brisket to <laughs> connect the tissue to break down so it'll get tender, you know, people start realizing, man, where did I go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> well, they showed up sober, first of all. You know, <laughs> that, yeah. that's always an issue. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Or they party too hard Friday night and wake up at 8 o'clock on Saturday morning, and by then it's already past them. Yeah, yeah. It's, they were, you're not up. Six yeah, you got issues. We we had uh, another dentist on last week, and he was talking about his first experiences. He's kind of a hot and fast guy, you know. And mm-hmm. he was telling about the guys getting up at two and three in the morning and putting their brisket on because they had a you know one o'clock call or something. And um, he's he rolled out, you know, about eight thirty, and they're like, "Are you just now starting to cook?" He's like, "Yeah," but he 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 got the call, you know, it was pretty funny. He said they were kind of shocked. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, and they're usually shocked, you know, the first timers when they see how small your brisket is after you trim it, you know, and that's why you're able to to wake up later. Um, and I started cooking hot and fast a few years back and I haven't looked back, you know, I mean, my pit is three to three fifty. I start my brisket actually very hot. I'll, I'll start it on a pellet grill at 450 degrees for the first hour just to get that connective tissue rolling, you yeah. know, start breaking it down and to get the color that I'm looking for. So I can wrap earlier and get the brisket done. Sure. So sure. My brisket takes about four or five hours and it's, it's finished. Yeah. And I mean, there's a lot of validity to the old school, low and slow. I'm not sure if it's valid anymore in the competition world. If, if it's backyard world and you've got, you know, you're throwing it on at 6am and you're, Guests are coming at five o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, that's cool. I'm still one of those guys. But I think if I was in a competition mode, uh, which I dutifully stay away from, I think I would probably end up doing it like you're doing it. Yeah, definitely. I, any new competition cook that I catch, you know, on Facebook or something that sends me messages, you know, what what I do. First thing, don't set your pit at 225. Don't listen to these guys. Uh, second, anything you saw on TV, just forget about it. You know, like these, these guys aren't giving great advice on TV usually. Um, they're te- they're telling you what the producers want you to, to hear. So, right. Uh, but yeah, the, the low and slow uh, at home. Yeah, I'm 250, you know, because I know my sugar is not going to burn if I if I leave it on a little too long. Right. And, and I've got plenty of time to cook everything. But 
uh, competition, I, I want, I don't want to stay up all night Friday night. So I want to wake up a good night's sleep on Saturday, you know, light the pits and get going and have everything done and not worry about it. Sure. So the hotter, the better. So it's a tenderness battle, you know, competition barbecue and even backyard barbecue. It's all about making it tender. And so the quicker you can reach that tenderness, then, then you can worry on something else. Right. Right. Absolutely. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back with uh, Dennis Butterworth from War Pigs Barbecue down in Houston right after this on Barbecue Nation. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT. You're listening to us on the Sun Radio Network from coast to coast. I always wanted to say that from coast to coast. Uh, if you'd like to email us, you can go to barbecuenationjt.com and there's a little thing there you can send us an email, or if you want to get more directly right to me, it's just info at thecowboycook.com. And we've got Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff and 17 multiple platforms of the podcast versions. But we always play the radio versions first, so we do that. Um, Twitter handle is cowcook57, just so you know. And uh, we're talking with Dennis Butterworth today from War Pigs Barbecue down in Houston. And... Uh, how many bar, how many competitions do you think you've cooked in so far, Dennis? Uh, the last few years, I've been averaging 30, 35 a year. Um, and so oh, since 2010, when we got into it, or 2009, oh, shoot. Um, you know, uh, I don't know, 400, maybe? I haven't done the math. A lot of people keep track, and I, I lost so much when I first got started, I really didn't want to keep track. Uh, so, but, uh, we've, for, for a good six years, we were averaging 20 a year, you know? So, um, so then maybe not 500. Yeah. But a bunch. Several hundred. A bunch. <laughs> yeah. More, more than my, uh, tax accountant wants me to do. That's for sure. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it, it can be expensive too, especially when you're it losing, it can be very expensive. Even when you're winning, you know, it's, you're not you're not always winning a bunch and, and you typically have a lot of expenses, you know, between the, the meats, the entries, the lodging, the travel, you know, it, it gets very expensive. It's not a sport you get into for the money. Um, and a lot of times when I hear people on TV talk about how much they've earned in lifetime, it's definitely exaggerated, but it is what it is um, yeah. because yeah, how much have you earned and how much have you spent? Right. <laughs> you spent a lot more. Yeah, well, that's true. And you're not going to win enough to be that uh, shining mansion on the hill. I can just tell you that. Oh, no, definitely not. No, no you're not going to get there in competition barbecue, but you can definitely make a name for yourself and hopefully spin that into a business. You know, yeah. and that's what we've done with War Pig Barbecue. Put your business out of it. So what else do you do besides the competition? So I own Warpig, yeah, Warpig Barbecue, uh, Elite Barbecue Products. We make uh, barbecue sauce and rubs, you know, and, and that's just the start of it. You know, our first sauce is called Fubar for <laughs> use on butts and ribs, and that's the one that put us on the map. Um, and down here in Texas, HEB is our largest grocery store chain, and 
they do a contest called the Quest for Texas Best, where they they kind of like Shark Tank, and they look for the best products in the state. They take over 600 contestants. And anyways, in 2017, I, I entered Food Bar. I, I just started selling Food Bar at local comps, and I decided to enter it. And I won first in that competition, and that got me in the store. And so I've been in the grocery store game since 2018 um, with Food Bar and now Snafu and the rest of my products, ham grenades, my spice rub, and got two more sauces. <laughs> um, so it's been a it's been a fun ride learning retail one on one. I've always worked, um, you know, I've, I've had several different jobs, but the last ten probably years I've been in oil and gas, and and so the barbecue products business has kind of been my side hustle and trying to learn retail. Uh, so this year I'm working on getting nationwide in nationwide uh, grocery chains, and so I'm working with a major uh, grocery chain on the Northeast right now. Um, to get my three of my products into theirs and and then hopefully we can branch out across the country this year with it. Uh, it's a tough gig. It's a tough gig. Very tough. It's a, it's a quantity game. Yeah. You know, you, you got to sell a lot to make any, you know? And so I, I, I've done really well with H-E-B over three years. Uh, you know, we were the number one selling sauce, you know, in the premium section of their store for the first two years uh, by far. Um, so now it's, um, it's just time to really go after and see if I can make a, a true business out of it and get, you know, across the country with it. It's tough. I mean, I was in that game 20 years ago and there really weren't a lot of barbecue rubs then. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you would have some uh, shilling products, um, you know, on the shelf, you'd have a little Emerald was there and he was doing his, yeah. you know, bam stuff and all that and um but there wasn't too many but when you went to the big stores they wanted you to <clears throat> okay we want four cases of and i had four different products so that was 16 cases for each of our stores that we okay to put it into and we think we're going to put it in about 20 stores mm -hmm. so all of a sudden you've got tons of cases going out they don't want to buy them they want you to kind of consign it to them now i don't know how they do it these days but that's the way it was but then you had to agree to spend so much on advertising yeah so much on product demos so on and so forth and it really got it i, I was doing this i've done this full time for a long time and i really couldn't dedicate the time to it so i just stopped doing it um you know, I and it wasn't making enough to be able to hire somebody that knew what they were doing and pay them a decent salary. You know, there was kind of that ga yeah. gap there that people run into. So, um, yeah, I definitely, it's a it is tough. You know, and I've I've hired um, instead of hiring a sales staff, I've I've reached out to brokers. You know, which are basically outside salespeople that sure. are established in the business and. They, you pay them a commission off every purchase order they get you. And so it's, you know, they've got to have hustle uh, to go out there and get you in stores and keep you in stores. And they take care of your product while it's on the shelf, you know. And so that's what I've, I have right now is a couple of different brokerage firms um, going out hustling my products, trying to get it in more stores. Did, um, they, did they try to charge you a pioneering fee? Remember? Uh, no, I haven't, been, I haven't been charged really any of those kind of fees yet. Well, <clears throat> I got zipped on that one time um and uh i learned my lesson real quick 
So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the groceries, you know, the big stores, they they can charge you, uh, you know, slotting fees. You know, for every space you want on a shelf, you know, and it could be twenty five thousand dollars to get one product on on in one facing on a shelf. Right. Uh, and it takes a lot of sales to make up that twenty five thousand dollars. Boy, howdy. So. Yeah. And, yeah. and so those are just tricks of the trade. You know, there's all kinds of things that they, they're going to hit you with. So you really got to just, you know, spray and pray, basically, like we say in uh, Call of Duty, right? I mean, it's right. try to get in as many stores as possible and pray that they stay there and you have sales um, and then hustle to get your digital marketing up. Uh, we're going to take another break. And Dennis Butterworth and I will be back here on Barbecue Nation uh, right after this. Stay with us. If you're enjoying GT and his show, come check out my podcast, Around the House with Eric G, where we talk home improvement and design. Right here where you catch this podcast. Head to AroundTheHouseOnline.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT. Today, we're talking with Dennis Butterworth from War Pigs Barbecue down in Texas. I'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef once again for being with us and and uh you know supporting me for a long time they've got great beef and you can check it out online at paintedhillsnaturalbeef.com and also gunter wilhelm knives you know for efficiency and quality at a reasonable price you uh for your work in your kitchen or if you you know are a professional whatever check out gunter wilhelm knives at gunterwilhelm.com uh dennis butterworth from war pigs interesting conversations that we're having off the air and so let's go back to barbecue competitions uh, for a minute, Dennis. Who inspired you? Uh, you? Most people that get into competition barbecue, they'll say, well, you know, I watch some Myron videos or I watch Malcolm Reed videos or I'm, you know, really into Meathead and all this. And all these guys are great guys. And we have them on the show all the time and, and uh, they all do very well. But sometimes people say, well, you know, it was really my dad because he could only cook, uh, cook ribs. And, yeah. uh, you know, and usually burnt half of them, but he yeah. got me into it. What's your story on that? Definitely my dad. And, uh, you know, it, my dad's uh, the hardest working man I've ever met by far. He, you know, down here in Houston, we have a lot of refineries and chemical plants. My dad grew up with my dad working in steel mill and then steel mill got shut down. He went to chemical plants and I can just remember him working, you know, 84 hour weeks all the time. And, and every, when he got a day off, if it was Sunday, he was outside you know, an ice chest full of beer and, and the grill fired up, you know, and he was barbecuing something. And yeah. my dad uh, came from Indiana and spent most of his, you know, junior high, high school and the rest of his adult life in Houston. And um, so he didn't grow up in a strong barbecue heritage, you know, like some of these guys do down here. Uh, and he was terrible at it. I mean, he'll flat out <laughs> tell you he was terrible. Uh, but he, he was one of those that him and, you know, the neighbors would get together and, and get to drinking and, and smoking cigarettes and shooting the bull and, uh, and I just hung out with him, you know, and everything he cooked was burnt. Uh, the brisket never was right. It was either pot roast or, or tough as nails. Uh, but, you know, he tried. He tried his best. And, oh, sure. They were all they were always so drunk. It was the best barbecue they ever had, you know. And so uh, when we got into this sport of it, you know, I, I told everybody, you know, we, we just kind of have, we have to be better than our parents were, you know, because nobody grew up with uh, a strong barbecue family on our team. So. 
Uh, that's that's what we strive for. And, and my dad now calls me for barbecue tips and tricks all the time, which is awesome. So I get to go down and help him out. And, that's uh, great. A smoker, and, yeah, and and show him, you know, how we do it. And and they, my parents are awesome. You know, they'll come to competitions and they're they're my biggest fans. You know, when they they cheer us on louder than anybody else. And, so it's, it's a lot of fun, uh, but definitely my dad. Uh, I, I grew up in a small town east of Houston, and, and we didn't have any local barbecue joints uh, to even go to. Um, you know, we had places in Houston you could go to and places in some surrounding towns. But really, everybody in my town, I, I think as a kid, I always just assumed everybody thought they could, you know, why go to a barbecue restaurant when I can cook it better than them? So we never had a restaurant that lasted. Uh, right. There a lot of Mexican food joints. Yeah. <laughs> like oh, no yeah. Barbecue. <clears throat> well, you weren't over by Beaumont, were you? No, I wasn't that far east. Uh, I was by Baytown. Baytown okay. was the biggest city next to me. Right. I'm familiar with all those towns, so I was just curious. Okay, yeah, I grew up in uh, Crosby, Texas. There you go. Because I don't know if anybody's listening. They've been to uh, to Beaumont. Um, George Jones had a very famous song called The Pretty Little Lady from Beaumont, Texas, with an oil well in her yard. I've that's what kind of got me hooked going to Beaumont. That's a crazy reason, but anyway. Yeah, and Janice Joplin was from right next door in Port Arthur. Yeah, you got you got some winners down there. You got some winners. <laughs> yeah. Dennis, what do you think is the biggest thing you've learned so far in actual your cooking skills and techniques since you've been doing this? Oh, the, uh, definitely. Um, there's no there's no set time and temperature. You know, barbecue is done when it's done, and. Uh, you may think a brisket at 203 is the perfect temperature, but sometimes at 203, it's not the right tenderness that I need it to be to turn in. So I'd say my brisket until I get the right feel with the temperature probe, you know, the thermometer. I, sure. I use a Thermalworks thermopan and I slide it in and out of that brisket. Yeah, I'm looking at the temperature, but I just use that as a gauge on when I, I know I really need to start paying attention to it, right? Because there's a fine line between done and overcooked. Um, so um that's it i mean it's a it's a tenderness battle and it's done when it's done people always ask me you know how long do you cook your brisket till it's done and they hate that answer but that's yeah that's what it is well i've said that more than once on television when i'm cooking and the the host of the show whichever i'm doing will say how long you know well yeah, <laughs> they want you to say 15 hours right like, yeah no, i'm not uh, i don't waste any 15 hours on anything you know? yeah yeah no when it's done i don't care if it's yeah if you're frying eggs or cooking a brisket they're done when they're done like you said and uh, yeah you know, it every meat is different every every cow you know was raised different you know and and it, i've learned a lot about chicken you know chicken's the hardest category there is no doubt and yeah down here we cook we cook uh we turn in a half a chicken you know so we don't just do sides or drumsticks and sometimes sometimes during the year you get what they call a woody chicken and it's just a tougher chicken that chicken was raised in a different environment temperature was hotter you know and and the chickens are tough so you got to pay attention to the chicken even when it's raw uh, and have a better game plan for it going into your cook well you know and it depends because sometimes the grocery stores will sneak in old uh you know what we call broiler <laughs> hens and stuff in on you and they're they weren't necessarily raised in, by design for the kitchen table they were yeah they were not raised, a young yeah chicken they're an old boiler yeah yeah and those things are tougher than a boot man that's just <laughs> yeah and they got no flavor and no moisture in them i don't care what you do to them it's not gonna stay those are the ones you just you need to batter up and fry you know yeah yeah and some grease Yep. And everybody will eat the batter and the grease and the skin off of it and throw the rest of it away <laughs> because it's too <laughs> yeah. it's too tough to eat. 
You know, it really yeah. is. What do you think one of the craziest things you've ever done at a competition? And I don't mean, you know, mm -hmm. shinning up the flagpole naked. I mean, you could tell us that story <laughs> if you did it. But um, what do you think is something kind of off the wall that you've done? Um, usually it's, you know, cook a, a, a whole chicken in 30 minutes, right? Because somebody got to talking to me and I didn't realize how, uh, how much time they had taken up. And I usually give myself an hour and a half to cook chicken because I cook it at about 350 degrees and pray right. it's done. Um, and then sometimes I look up and I'm like, man, you, you, you just sabotaging me, you know, yeah. <laughs> and they don't know what they're doing, but I, uh, so now I'm running, you know, all in butt to get the, the grill, like the charcoal grill lit up and get it nice and hot to where it's about six to 700 degrees. And, you know, that chicken is just searing. You can hear <laughs> the skin just bubbling, yeah. you know, and, and I've seen it done in 25 minutes, you know, where you can get a chicken from cold to, to fully cooked in 25 minutes. You know, it might be an ugly chicken, but sometimes down here, ugly chicken wins. Because <laughs> some of these sanctioned bodies, they don't have uh, appearance score. Yeah. So it's all about the taste. And as long as it's done and, and still has some juice left in it, you, you got a chance of winning it. Well, as long as, uh, as long as the outside isn't completely charred and when you bite in, blood squirts out, I think you're probably okay. That's it. Yeah. So I've seen, you know, I've seen us do 25 and 45 minute chickens before and, and come out somewhat successful. And we had a fajita category once where we were trying to, we had this, this long run of winning first place fajitas. I mean, we were, every cook-off we went to was first place, first place. And it's always a good side category. It's on Friday nights and it usually pays some jackpot money. And this cook-off we go to every year has about a 900 to $1,200 first place fajita uh, if you hit it. And that's a good way to start your cook-off, right? Oh, on sure. Friday night, get, get handed 1200 bucks. Well, we showed up, and we were a little late getting there, of course. I mean, I think we showed up at 6 o'clock, and turn in was at 7. And so I tried to fire up the pellet grill real hot to get the, um, to get the fajitas on it. And the auger pin had snapped off, and so oh. it's just spinning circles. And I'm trying to fix it, and my buddy's just hollering, just light, light the charcoal, light the charcoal through <laughs> the pellets. I was like, no, we got to, you know, we have a system. We cook these on pellets because it works. And so by then I looked down and I had 30 minutes and I, I just threw a whole bunch of charcoal into this drum we had and lit it and ended up winning. And everybody was so confused. Like, how, how did y'all even turn something in? <laughs> you were, you were underneath that pellet grill for an hour trying to figure it out. I said, well, you know, we did the last minute. We made a executive decision. They grill them. And right. We grilled them super, super hot. <laughs> yep. That grill was probably a thousand degrees. You probably could have forged something out of it. If you threw some <laughs> steel down in it. But I got, I got my $980 on Friday night for that first place for eating. It made the rest of the cook off nice and easy. Yeah. The beer's on you, bud. I mean, there you yeah. go. There you go. When I do my TV stuff, I can tell you that more than once, the hero shot is what we call it. Let's say it's a steak. It looks perfect. I got a blowtorch. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> if the cooker's not working or if the uh, oven, a lot of times the ovens on TV station sets don't work, you know, mm -hmm. and so you've got to kind of improvise. So you always keep one of those little creme brulee uh torches back there and man i can make it i know enough about um food design and stuff to make it look perfect don't cut into it because it'll get up and run <laughs> off the plate but i'm telling you yeah. it looks really good so i think those are the things you learn too that are probably more so than time and temperature which can vary like you've been saying for everybody their own systems their own techniques 
it's also the little things that you do with the presentation that will actually yeah. help put you over the top. That's that's definitely, you know, we do a lot of the KCBS competitions, you know, and they're they're absolutely my favorite right now. I just I love the way that their scoring system works. So we have to travel on a date for those most of the time. And I took uh, Travis Clark's cooking class and, and because I wanted to learn what a KCBS chicken thigh needed to taste like. Right. Like I said, we cook half chicken. But anyways, and he, he preached appearance, you know, and attention to detail. He is the most meticulous person I've ever met in my life, and it was really impressive. And he told us, he showed us the competitions where he lost grand champion by, you know, one or two appearance scores, you know. And right. Like, you know, pay, pay attention to the little things. Nail your flavor, nail your tenderness, but don't let appearance, you know, pass you by. You bet. Because you, you, you won't be walking with that grand champion. No, you won't. It's guaranteed. Yeah. Um, Dennis and I are going to be back here and wrap up the show on Barbecue Nation. And uh, please stay with us. It'll just be a GIF, and we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome back to Barbecue Nation. I'm JT. We're talking with Dennis Butterworth today from War Pigs Barbecue down in Houston. You know, something just flashed while I was talking there, Dennis, is that I wonder if you'd have been doing this and that name of your barbecue team back in the 70s or 80s, you'd probably have people picketing you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Once you understand what the song's all about. Yeah, yeah. you definitely would have had people upset with you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, a little it's, sidebar uh, there, but. It's, yeah, it's a different world now, but yeah, that's uh, definitely something to think. I mean, if I went with my last name now, uh, you know, and I called it Mrs. Butterworth's Barbecue, I'd have somebody trying to cancel me if I had, you know, my own mom's name on the on the right. big team. So with all this cancel culture, yeah, it's 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 really scary. Especially if your mom's name was Jemima. So yeah, Jemima Butterworth. Huh? That would have really made it something. <laughs> <laughs> um, how does your style? And not just your temperatures and stuff, but your style of trimming and that compared to others. Yeah, my trimming is it's pretty, I wouldn't say rustic, but I, I do like my brisket trim a lot because I keep it, I, I, I get out of tape measure. I measure, I know the width of the KCBS box, I know the width of an IBCA box. And I, I trim to a half inch uh, inside of that box because a lot of people will tell you, oh, your brisket's going to shrink. Well, no, it's actually going to expand because you're going to inject it and it's going to swell. And then once you cook, that injection is going to cook and push the meat out. And so it actually swell a little bit. So I, I'm real meticulous on how I trim that brisket uh, because I want my slices to fill the box and just go edge to edge. I don't ever want it to turn or, or curve. Um, and I never want to have to block the edges if I don't have to. But other than that, I don't spend a lot of time on rib trimming. I've seen people try to get them super perfect. I just want them to be nice and clean and not have any fat on top. Right. Um, and, and I, I peel the membranes also on those. And and then chicken trim, I, I've never been a fan of scraping skins. I don't do it, you know, and uh, it's to me, it's just a waste of time. I, I just want them to be a nice, as close to symmetrical as possible so that the judge doesn't have anything to take apart on them. I think that's good advice. I know that a lot of them, a lot of the guys I've talked to on the show, they get very, very detailed on, mm -hmm. you know, not just 
trimming the brisket, but you know, on the ribs, um, on the chicken, you know, anything like that, they get really, you know, they've almost got a micrometer out there to measure (laughs) and, and doing this. And then when I talk to them and I say, well, you know, at home, I don't peel the, the lining off the back of the rib. I said, I just score it with a knife and um, people eat it, you know, because once you score it too, it'll shrink, you know, once it's in the heat, you know, like that. So it doesn't become an issue. Now, if I was competing, I would pull, pull it off, you know, the, uh, the filament there, but I, I, I don't see any reason to do that at home. So I just score it right down the back of the bone with my knife and it works out really good. And I'm lazy. So, you know, well, that's what I like to do at home as well. I like to just score, you know, you don't spend a lot of time on that trim at, on a home cook. No. You know, I, I, I you know, which rib's going to swell up on you. It's going to be that one on the, on the end that's got all that fat and extra meat laid on top of it. Right. So I, I try to either cut that and throw it away or, or at least trim off that top layer of meat. Because usually it's the, the meat cutter has left that on there, you know, and you'll have meat, fat, and meat. So I try to cut it down to that last layer of meat uh, so I don't get that big swollen rib. But other than that, that's. I don't like wasting a lot of time on that trim. That's the one that they put in those finishing process. Yeah. That's the one, Dennis, they put in those shrink wrap bags. It says extra meaty and it's all because of that rib on the end. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) It's uh, I always wonder what goes through some of these uh, meat cutters heads. Sometimes when you unwrap that brisket, you know, and it's got a big gouge down the middle of it. Yeah. Yeah. What what happened? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's well, and and all those guys have their own style, their own techniques, and the way they want to see mm-hmm. it when they trim it. And then, you know, I've just gotten so for the most part, I just cook the the brisket flats, and it's it's much easier. I mean, if look when I'm I used to do some catering, and when they wanted brisket, which was fine, I would just cook you know half a dozen flats or whatever I needed to cook for it. Um. If I, you know, if I was cooking a whole packer, that changed the whole dynamic of the entire cook for me. So, you know, I I just tried to kind of, you'll really like this. It's still part of the brisket, you know. You had to sell it a little bit. Even down here in Texas, you know, I I cook. A lot of the guys will leave the point on and just trim some of the the meat to make it sit nice and even on the pit. But I I separate it. I cook the flat only. And I, I vacuum seal and freeze my points. Yep. So when I can do a contest that allows burn ends. Yeah. That's the best way to do it. I think. Yeah. I think. I do too. And it's a cleaner looking slice, you know, and you can focus on just keeping it nice and moist and, and tender. Well, yeah. And if you're cooking at home and you've got that big point and if you, you didn't eat it all, what's going to end up in the fridge? That point. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. And you're just going to use eat and chop beef out of it. You know, right. Trying to figure out what to do with it. Right. And, you know, so, you know, unless you got a, thrashing machine out in your backyard that you can run it through a couple of times, then it's going to be a lot of work for you. That's, it is. that's just my, my real easy sentiments there. Is there one thing we're just about out of time here in the regular show, Dennis, is there one thing you want to accomplish in competition barbecue that you haven't done yet? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I would love to, you know, down here in Houston, we have the world championship, uh, Houston rodeo cook off and, right. and winning that is a giant bucket list for me. I've been on the stage. I've placed in the top 10, but I really want to win it. You know, and that's, that's talk about name recognition in the state, you know, in a state as large as Texas, you win the biggest cook-off in Texas. Uh, I've won some big ones, but that's the one definitely 
would be a, a huge start, you know, and then to win the American Royal would be another one. And, and just to get invited to the Jack Daniels would be great. So I know guys have much larger ambitions, but, you know, to me, my home state world championship winning that would be, would be it for me. Well, sure. Sure. Do you envision yourself with your spices doing that full time, like within a year or something? I think it's going to take a couple of years uh, to get uh, established with it uh, nationwide. Uh, but I definitely, that's the goal. I mean, my day job now is great and it allows me a lot of freedom to run the business. Um, but I obviously would love to focus on the War Pig barbecue business and really see how far I can take it. Well, I wish you a lot of luck on that. I do. It's a, Thank it's, you. it's a tough gig, but it sounds like you're determined and you can make it. And that's, that's really a good thing. Um, how can people find out about you more than what they've heard on the interview here and find out about yeah. your products? So our uh, Facebook page is, uh, you know, facebook.com slash TX Texas war pig barbecue and Instagram is the same thing. TX war pig barbecue. Um, and then, you know, TikTok. I do a lot of fun TikTok videos where I go in and review different barbecue restaurants and I, I show us behind the scenes with uh, making sauce or, or competitions. And that's just DW underscore butter. I, de I decided not to do War Pig on it and just want to do like my, my initials and my last name. So sure. DW underscore butter. It's a lot of fun. One minute videos. That's the great thing about TikTok. Yep. Yep. It is. And there's a lot of crazy people on there, so it's all fun. There are. It's, it's, it's entertainment. You know, it's entertainment when you need a quick break. You know? Absolutely. Dennis Butterworth from War Pigs Barbecue down in Houston. We appreciate you being on the show. Dennis is going to be around for the after hours. Um, and for the stations down the line that have the second hour of the show, we've got Mark Graham from uh, Gorilla Grills in Michigan coming up. And for those of you who don't, we'll be back next week with another edition of Barbecue Nation. Take care, everybody. Barbecue Nation is produced by JTSD LLC Productions in association with Envision Networks and Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.